The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. So this movie inspired me to make this. I am a foodie. This is not a hard movie for me to love at all. So if you've seen Chef, um, what's the most delicate way I can say this? Uh, it is food porn. If it had a triple X rating for food porn, this would get it. It is a visually delicious movie. It is, if you go back for a second, please, a movie of sights and sounds and, yes, I wish, smell vision as well. So after seeing this movie, they make a particular pasta dish in it that looked really good. So I decided I want to make that, too. And actually, I think in the movie, they browned the garlic far too much. So I made my own version of it. But it's a lot of garlic, thinly sliced. Then I went out into the garden one morning, our garden, the back of our house. And I thought, what looks ripe? What looks ready? What looks fresh? What looks ready to go? And I thought, you know what? The cherry tomatoes look really good. And the basil looks great. And the jalapeno peppers really look good. Now, jalapeno peppers are not traditional in Italian cooking, as I've experienced it. In the movie, they use kind of sprinkles of dried red pepper. But you know what? I think this is going to be better. And it was. I am, whether it's preaching or whether it's cooking, my own worst critic. I think I know when I've done well and I know when I have not. And friends, I have to tell you, when this turned into that, it was Italy good. Ask me to make it for you sometime, I will. Just not all at once, please. So yes, as a foodie, I enjoyed, love this movie, Chef. It is part of the genre of what you might call feel-good indie. Kind of feel-good, independent, small-scale movies. I really did enjoy it. And it's about, and if you want to show that slide now, it's about that guy in the center, the actor John Favreau, who plays the title, Chef. This movie begins with a conflict between himself, a really kind of up-and-coming chef of an upscale restaurant in, the, I think, the Brentwood section of Los Angeles, who's about to face a really big night. He has a critic coming to his restaurant, the kind of critic with millions of followers online who can make or break the reputation of a restaurant. And the owner of that restaurant tells him, doesn't give much choice in the matter. You must cook the standard menu. Tonight, you have to cook your greatest hits. He said, if you went to see the Stones and they didn't play Satisfaction, you would be disappointed, right? And the chef said, yeah. Tonight, you're going to play your greatest hits. But here's the thing. The chef's greatest hits are not what's closest to his heart. It's an uninspired menu. And predictably... This image of success, this classical French menu, it doesn't stand up under scrutiny. It doesn't get a good review. A few things happen. The chef, who is not real adept at this thing called Twitter, has a social media freakout, and he thinks he's sending a private message to the reviewer who skewered him. This is a notice for all of us in the social media age, I think. It gets shared, and hundreds of thousands of times it is seen. And his career is torpedoed and he is fired. So he heads out to do the one thing that a lot of people do 
when sometimes we're at odds with ourselves, with the world. He heads out on the road to try and find himself again. He begins seemingly in a place very different from the high-end upscale restaurant. He begins again in a food truck. That's himself, his ex-wife, his kid, and his sous chef, his assistant. And it's out there on the road in the food truck where he rediscovers himself. And it's also where we get kind of what I understand to be the mission statement of this movie. He's shopping in an open-air, truly fresh, vibrant market in Miami. And they're choosing ingredients to make in the food truck that night. And his son says, why do we have to pick everything individually? Why don't we just go to a store? And the chef says this. The key is that you've got to look for ingredients that will give you an idea of what to cook. You have to look for ingredients that will give you an idea of what to cook. Go out into the garden, go to the market, see what's speaking to you. And the whole point of this movie is not just talking about ingredients for cooking. He's talking about ingredients for your life. This movie is a tension between the fact that I think we can acknowledge many of us, we live in kind of a menu culture. What's on offer to us? What's our selection? What's our preference? What's the thing that we want to consume? Or for the person offering the menu or asking this, how am I looking? How am I sounding? What am I presenting? Am I making myself look good enough? The movie, though, is about the difference that happens when we put the ingredients first. And ask ourselves more elemental questions. What is here? What am I working with? What are the raw ingredients of our lives that are waiting for us with promise and potential to pay attention to? Now, especially like in the movie, if we find ourselves at a juncture, a crossroads, a place where we're not sure what's going to happen next to us, we might hear these words like uh, like they say in the movie. The chef, after he's been fired, says, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I'm lost. And the response he gets back is beautiful and absolutely right. That's a great place to start. We're lost. Be exactly where we are. How do we refine our bearings when we don't know what to do next? The cultural go to for many of us, I know this myself, is this, just build a better menu. Just work harder. Just present yourself better. This movie offers a different choice, and I think a more spiritually wise choice. Refining our orientation to who we are is not just a matter of more activity. It's about the quality of our awareness. What are the raw ingredients of our lives? Especially in those moments, the chef says, I don't even know if I've got anything to say anymore. I don't even know if I've got anything to say anymore. I've experienced those moments in my life. Perhaps you have as well. And I think that moment is a beautiful moment to listen to the invitation of a guy named Parker Palmer. Some of you know Parker Palmer. He's a Quaker teacher, has a theology and a spirituality very similar to our own. And he's got one book that probably is his most well-known book. It's called Simply 
let your life speak. He's talking about listening to the ingredients. Paying attention to the ingredients that are beyond any formed menu. Many of us are busy telling our lives what we want them to be. Telling other people what our lives are. But to let our lives speak is to open up a space more vulnerable and more real. It is also deeply in alignment with the heart of our tradition. One of the ways I like to explain our tradition to other folks, especially if they're from a religious tradition, that sometimes puts the stress upon the dogma or the doctrine. I like to make an allusion to a really kind of awful teaching. It's associated with the Vietnam War. Maybe you remember it. We have to burn the village down in order to save the village. This is not our theology of our lives. Outwardly or inwardly. We are not born as original sinners. The raw ingredients of our lives are the good stuff. Some of you are aware that I also do a lot of teaching with mindfulness, which is really nothing more, nothing less than learning how to pay deep attention to our lives. A lot of people come to mind, uh, mindfulness with expectations that it's going to be instant peace or instant gratitude or all the troubles will float away. And what they find, however, is that their minds are incredibly noisy. <laughs> That's where we start. I make an invitation in the beginning of all of the mindfulness groups I lead. Before you prescribe for yourself what you think this experience is going to be like, what you think it should be like, before you prescribe, simply describe what's going on, what's happening now. Before we prescribe, just first describe. This week in the small group of listening to our lives in which we talk about Parker Palmer, it's actually very in the beginning of this listening to our lives group, our foundational group here. And it's about inspiration in which we encourage people. Don't just focus on where you think you're going or what you want in the future, but first focus on who you are already right now. Listen to your life, and if we listen deeply enough, we will find the inspiration, the potential, the promise that's already here. It's one of our core beliefs here at Wellsprings, that the Spirit is already talking to us. Now, maybe some of you have actually heard actual voices. I don't dismiss that, by the way, in terms of the Spirit talking to you. It's not how I hear the Spirit, not as an actual voice. But I do hear the Spirit through those raw ingredients. Paying attention. Listening. Finding that inspiration in what is already here. Moving beyond the menu image of our lives. There's a rabbi named Bert Jacobson who tells a story about getting a call one day from his brother and sister-in-law. And I want you to hear clearly about how this story begins and ends gets a message from his brother, a voicemail that says, I just wanted to let you know how much I love you. I just wanted to let you know how much I love you. I got to tell you this incredible story. He goes on very excited in the message. He said, we were up at the cabin, you know, that cabin we go to very regularly. And I was sitting outside the cabin, just kind of taking in the nature around me. And all of a sudden, this butterfly came and sat down right on my hand. 
and stayed there for five minutes. I think the butterfly had a tongue because it seemed to be kind of gauging me, trying to get a sense. I don't think butterflies have tongues, actually. I think whatever those feelers are, we'll call it a tongue. The butterfly's tongue was getting a sense of who I was. And I just sat there looking at it. And then after the butterfly took my measure, it floated away. And then right in front of me, like two feet in front of me, I didn't flinch, was a bee that just hovered and stared at me. And then flew back a little bit, gave me a side eye glance and did this for about a minute, taking my measure and then flew away. It was beautiful. I want to let you know how much I love you. There's a connection between getting in touch with the raw ingredients of our lives, the basic inspiring stuff that we pay attention. By the way, you know, that story could have turned out totally different. Think of how paying attention changed that story for Bert Jacobson's brother. There's a connection, an innate connection, between that quality of deep inspiration and connecting with other people. Some of you might know a place called the uh, Center for the Greater Good, the Greater Good Science Center. They do research about gratitude and paying attention and mindfulness and all this kind of stuff that's really close to kind of the spirituality a lot of us practice here. One of the things they found over and over and over again, they do actual experiments about this stuff, is that there is an absolute connection what they would call as scientists, social scientists, a statistically significant correlation between awe and wonder and love. One of the uh, experiments they did goes like this. They had people in their little lab take a look at a grove of beautiful eucalyptus trees for about two to five minutes. Just stare at it. Look at these eucalyptus trees. And then they would have someone, one of the people in their lab that the people in the experiment didn't know about, walk by in the hallway outside and accidentally, quote unquote, drop a full sheaf of papers all over the floor, creating a mess. The people who had that two to five minutes with those eucalyptus trees were much more likely to go and offer help for the person who had dropped their stuff all over the floors. Then people, the control group, if you will, who didn't take a look at those eucalyptus trees. There's all kinds of ways that we can remember this. First relate, then create. First see what's here in our lives. It is not an abnormal thing for us. It is the most natural thing for us. That awe and wonder and connection can unleash the natural goodness of our hearts. And yet, if we're kind of living according to the menu theory of our lives, how good are we presenting? We're going to miss the raw ingredients. The first step in restoring right relationship with ourselves, with each other, with the world itself, is by learning not to ask the question, 
what can I do with this? What good is this to me? How can I make this, whatever the this is, into what I want it to be? But instead, asking the question, simply, what is this? What is here? How am I paying attention to it? The great pastoral theologian Henri Nouwen tells a story about a friend of his who once gave him a picture of a beautiful lily, a basic, simple flower. And to Henri Nouwen, it seemed to capture the essence of what the flower was all about. And he asked his friend, how did you make this art? How did you capture the essence of this flower? And the friend said it was easy. I just talked nice to it for two hours. And then the flower let me take its picture. You know, we think the menu is the art. (laughs) We think the painting is the art. It's not. The ingredients, attention, observation, patience, love, that is the real art. And yes, when we're working with our raw ingredients, trust me, as someone who has made more mistakes in the kitchen than any other place I've made mistakes in my life, who has burnt things, who has forgotten things, who has undercooked things, who has had things sent back to me. When we're cooking with the raw ingredients or living with the raw ingredients, we will make mistakes. The art, the menu, the dish won't turn out as we want it to sometimes. But if we love the raw ingredients, there will always be abundant inspiration. Yes, we get to present ourselves with our menus, our bios, our CVs. But we get to know ourselves with the raw ingredients. Today, may you touch, taste, smell, savor, love the raw ingredients of your life. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. God who is present here. Not elsewhere, but here right now in this moment. Inviting us to see, inviting us to get in touch, inviting us to, above all else, pay attention, not just move forward and forward and forward, or conversely, stay stuck in the past, in the past, in the past. But inviting us right now in this holy now, in this sacred moment, to pay attention. Because here is life, the very heart of life. This moment, whatever any of us are working with today, whatever the raw ingredients are, sweet, sour, bitter, lovely, painful, enlivening, depressing, whatever the raw ingredients are, may we dig deep and may life feed us. Amen.
If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.